Hello, I'm Melanie Riding and this is the Riding Footloose podcast. These podcasts are also available in video and sometimes written format and can be found at youtube.com forward slash riding footloose or riding2nz.com. Thank you for listening and do give me some feedback. I'm always keen to hear your thoughts. Hello, hello. Now, I was at a public lecture run by the Southland Hospital um, University of Otago branch. It is the ninth one they've been they've run, but it's the first one I've actually managed to get to. And this one was on mental well-being. It was called Mental Well-Being, Staying Sane in the Time of COVID. Now, there were three speakers, but I'm going to... And I recorded all three of them, but I'm going to post them one at a time because it was a long lecture. So today's uh, speaker is going to be Henk van Bilsen. He is a clinical psychologist originally from the Netherlands, and he is now based at Southland Hospital. His topic was wisdom therapy um, and he was talking about guidance for difficult times. Now his main focus was on people, um, he started off by saying people uh, perceive life, life as unfair because they fail to adapt to a new situation and life is not meant to be fair, life is actually life. And he was talking about embitterment, curveballs, how to deal with curveballs, um, what happens if you can't accept curveballs, that sort of thing. So I didn't quite catch the beginning of his um, talk because it was only when it was a few sentences in that I thought, oh, it'd be a good thing to record. So here is the majority of his talk. And easy, but it's not. I've got to go to work every day. <laughs> I've got to become independent. And what if I don't want to be independent? What if I want my parents to look after me for, for the rest of my life? Why can't I have that? That's not how life operates. So there's this big divergence, this big gap between this is how I want life to be and this is how life is, in fact. Life is supposed to be fair. How often don't you hear that and people say that? Life should be fair. Well, it's not. But if you demand that it's fair and then come to the realization that it's not, that can create a lot of unwell-being. Because life is unfair. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, the healthiest people have the best health care, and the sickest people get the worst health care. That's not fair, but that is life. So these kind of discrepancies between how I want life to be, or discrepancies between my expectation of life that can lead to problems with, with well-being. Two other examples. And for some reason, the slides kind of seem to slide off on the right-hand side. <laughs> you, you can't get competent staff anymore. Conrad, come on. So this, this, this young man, he's depressed. He's 19. Depressed and suicidal. He says, why can't I be happy? Other people are happy. Life is so unfair. On Facebook, everyone is happy. All the time. 
Life is way too hard, hard work. And until it gets easier, until it gets easier, I'm not doing it anymore. Until it gets easier, I will continue to try and kill myself. <coughs> A 45-year-old lady, depressed and suicidal. And again, I was passed over for promotion. I can't stand the unfairness of it all. I'm just as good as the next person. Until my boss apologizes and offers me a promotion, I don't think I can go on. So there's a discrepancy between how I want life to be and what life really offers me. And that leads to what um, the people who have invested in, um, in wisdom therapy, they call that embitterment. Embitterment happens when life throws us curveballs. And it seems that if people can't accept these curveballs, that their well-being is so damaged that it leads to this, this form of embitterment. They feel so powerless and see their as their only feasible, feasible option to retreat and to to think about ending their life in a way to, to punish life for having done that to them. I mean, in, in our clinical work, we hear often people talk, and once I've killed myself, then they'll be sorry. Then they'll be sorry. And it, it's that kind of bitterness that we're talking about here. When I'm dead, they will realize what they've done to me. Let them feel bad for once. Let them feel bad for once. It will show them how unfair they've treated me. They are bound to feel guilty and to feel just as powerless as I feel now. I'm sorry for turning around and speaking like that. Normally when I teach, I have a screen in front of me. So I feel kind of naked here, without a screen here. Luckily I'm not. The only way I will not continue to try and kill myself is if life apologizes to me. And that's a direct quote from one of my clients. If life apologizes to me. Right. Now how did wisdom therapy emerge? I mean, it, it was just a fluke. I mean, you had this, this thing in, in Germany in 1989 when they had a bit of a wall there between East and West Germany. That came down. And the life for many people in, in, in the whole of Germany, but especially for many people, East Germany changed. Many people in East Germany who had been in positions of power and influence all of a sudden lost that. And the researchers in, in Berlin, they discovered that that led to this kind of general embitterment. When I was reading about that, I was reminded of a different situation in the Netherlands. I'm from the south of the Netherlands, and in the south we had, until 1968, we had a vast empire of coal mines, which um, offered employment for close to 100,000 people. And working for the coal mines meant you got a job for life, got a good pension, good health care, and everything is taken care of. And then in 1968, the government said, well, they're too expensive, and the coals from France and Germany are cheaper, 
So we're going to get those and we're going to close the coal mines. Mass unemployment and, I realize now, massive embitterment. There was an enormous industry was, was set up in, in the Netherlands at that time. People were offered jobs, but they didn't do the jobs properly because they felt so hurt, pained by the message that they'd received all their life. If you work for the coal mines, you have a job for life. A bit like in East Germany, if you join the Communist Party, you have a job for life as long as you stay in step with the regime. And all of a sudden, it changes. And instead of being a very powerful party <coughs> functionary, you're now kind of filling shelves at a supermarket. So they discovered this phenomenon of embitterment there. And I wish I'd known about that when I was still working in, in the Netherlands and met many of these really embittered coal miners. So what is embitterment? Embitterment is the opposite of this. Embitterment is when you don't have a sense of comprehensibility anymore. If you can't make sense of the information anymore, if you can't understand what's happened to you. I mean, last week you had a job that was supposed to be a job for life. And today you wake up and it's gone. Last week you were planning to go and visit your family in Europe. And then today we have COVID and you haven't seen your family apart from via Skype or Zoom in a year. So when things change, all of a sudden, people can lose this sense of understanding. And it's a, a lack of ability to incorporate new information, a sense of manageability, a sense of having sufficient resources available to deal with the new situation. Well, if you've worked as a coal miner for, for 30 years, to be retrained as an administrative officer for a Dutch pension fund is a bit of a challenge. So often people who are embittered feel they don't have the resources to deal with the new situation. And a sense of meaningfulness, finding life on an, an emotional level meaningful. If all of a sudden your life that you build on a certain way of thinking about life or certain meanings, and all of a sudden that changes, up is down and down is up, that can really distort this sense of meaningfulness. So if you now want to develop that, if you want to develop wisdom, if you want to develop and give people a sense of, of, of perspective, if you want to give people this, um, this sense of coherence, there's a number of things we can do. We can help people to, um, we can train people to look at a situation from different perspectives. And my cartoon literally falls in the water because there were two cartoons where one person says, a boat! And the person in the boat says, land! But it's fallen in the water. Like I said, life is unfair. Being, being able to look at yourself from the perspective of someone else, that's a really important skill to have. If you can only look at the situation from your perspective, that is, is not a very wise perspective, and that might lead, uh, lead to trouble. We need to feel empathy to ourselves, but also to other people. We need to kind of understand how other people's, people feel. 
important thing is we need to be able to recognize and accept our own feelings. Conrad had a few slides about suffering, and that is really important. Life is suffering. That means that going through life will mean that there will be days and sometimes weeks where we feel sad. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with feeling sad. I mean, we as, as a nation, or we as the population of the world, we're going through the worst pandemic since the big flu pandemic uh, in the 1920s. So we would be crazy if it wouldn't upset us. We would be lunatics if we would be constantly happy about that. So of course we feel stressed, we sleep a bit, bit worse, we feel tense and a bit more anxious. We get a bit more despairing. And if you don't accept those feelings, that's when we're in trouble. Emotional <coughs> serenity and humor. We need to be able to laugh at our situation. I mean, I could get incredibly upset if I would be a perfectionist if I now would see that, hey, humor. <laughs> and we need to have problem-solving strategies. If I'm confronted with a new problematic situation, I need to be able to problem-solve that. We need to look at problems in their context. One of my clients told me the other day, why did COVID have to happen to me? <laughs> he didn't have COVID. It was just that he was affected by the whole COVID situation. Not in an incredibly dramatic way. His business hadn't gone bankrupt. He just couldn't travel, hadn't seen his family, etc., etc. Why did COVID have to happen to me? So he couldn't see his problems within the context of a worldwide problem. And that's a good thing to be able to do. That's wisdom. We need to be able to tolerate uncertainty. That is so important. To be able to tolerate uncertainty, like uh, when you do an evening like this, you really don't know how many people actually turn up. I mean, on the one hand, you hope that you have a full house, on the other hand, you hope that no one turns up so you can go home early. <laughs> I mean, luckily we have a full house. It's nice. We need to be aware that things are always a mixed bag of negative and positives. I mean, everyone knows the story about that person who was driving to catch a plane to the airport then arrives at the airport, and he just misses the plane, only to realize later on that that plane crashed. There's a things are a mixed bag of things. There's always a silver lining around the dark cloud, and the ability to see that is a sign of wisdom. The last one, we need to understand that there are, is a multitude of value systems my value system will be different from yours. What is really important for that person over there is different from that person here. And that's okay. We're not in a mutual admiration society. We don't have to be all the same. So to be able to accept that is a sign of wisdom. Now, what the researchers at the uh, 
Charité Hospital in Berlin did was to design a very crafty, 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 uh, structured cognitive behavioral protocol that lasted between 12 and 24 sessions, where they, first of all, helped these, these people to see, uh, and I wish I would have had some therapy like that when I was dealing with the minors in, 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 in Holland, helped these people to see that the attitude of, I'm not going to do anything until they apologize, that that's an attitude that is incredibly self-defeating. Waiting for the world to apologize. Oh boy. Even your neighbors will find it difficult to apologize, let alone the whole world. So that's a self-defeating strategy. So that's the first thing that, that needed to happen. And then what they did is get these, these clients to talk through a whole range of situations. So for instance, if for this person here, their embitterment situation was that they were being passed over for, for promotion, and that, that really made them bitter, then the selection was, the, the situation that they would give in first instance had nothing to do with being passed over for promotion, but could be connected with having your, your business kind of go down under without you being responsible for that. And then I asked these people to think about that. How do you think the, the person who owns the business, how do you think that person would, would feel, would think? And how would other people in the business feel and think? How would the person feel and think who took over the business, who profited from it? So you, you gradually get people to do perspective taking, and you do that with a number of situations, and they gradually come closer to the specific personal situation. And you finish with the actual situation of this person. And that seems to be a good strategy to get these, these clients kind of out of their embittered uh, uh, kind of situation where they put themselves in, and to start doing life again. Ah, I mean, what I'm planning to do, as some of you might know, uh, I'm running a, a cognitive therapy group in the mental health service, which is a modular-based program. And I think from September onwards, we're going to include a kind of a wisdom uh, module in there of eight sessions to, to teach this to a group of, uh, of clients. So that, that's our plan. I might have gone over time a little bit, Conrad. I hope that works. <laughs> Well, thank you. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Next episode will be Agatha Moody. And she's a psychiatrist and hypnotherapist. And she's talking about cognitive hypnotherapy. Thank you for listening. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback. If there's anything you want to add or any questions you want to ask, please do just get in contact. Otherwise, I'll talk to you again soon.